New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, my name is Steve Austin. I'm excited to bring you New Vision's daily podcast for today. We are looking at Exodus 34, verses 1 through 9 in the NIV version of the Bible. The Lord said to Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready in the morning and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children's children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. I want us to focus on one small portion of our text today. As we develop a thought around verses 6 and 7, I think we can discover a key truth that may be revealing and liberating in our own lives. So I'll read verses 6 and 7 again. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children's children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So, First of all, anytime God reveals himself through scripture, he intentionally identifies a unique part of his nature as a way for the Bible character to have a greater understanding of who he is. God knows that in knowing him intimately, we experience the absolute fullness, the ultimate fulfillment in all of life. Therefore, when he reveals himself, he proclaims a part of himself that is relevant to whatever is going on in that Bible character's life, exactly in the same way that he does with us today on a daily basis. Okay, so why reveal this particular side of God to Moses at this time? Well, on the back side of this group of people rebelling, making idols, blaming God for difficult times, and in preparation for the covenant God was about to make with his people in the rest of this chapter, 
There was something God needed Moses to know in light of where they had been and in preparation for where they were going. I believe this revelation is so, so relevant to us today. So the scripture, again, goes like this. He does not leave the guilty unpunished. This is where we'll focus for the most part today. He punishes the children and the children's children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. The King James Version says it like this. God visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and fourth generation. So, let me talk about that word iniquity there. We'll we'll use that word for a minute. Um, Iniquity and sin are virtually synonymous. So that word iniquity translated from the Hebrew, that Hebrew word is awon, A-W-O-N. It means, it literally means a bend. So iniquity here is like a tree that has grown up in a region of the world that has a consistent wind blowing against it, a constant force. Because of the unseen force continually pushing against the tree day in and day out, especially when it's young and tender. Did you catch that? Listen, watch this. Instead of that tree growing up straight, the tree grows up crooked with a bend. What does that mean for us today? It means that in my life and in your life right now, there are issues, habits, patterns, and character traits that have been passed down to us literally from generation after generation after generation. And without even knowing it, those patterns and behaviors have influenced every step of our lives. Instead of growing up straight, underneath this unseen force, especially when we are young and tender, we have grown up with a natural bend. Now, recently I was in a local coffee house and um, I picked up a free magazine just to kind of thumb through while waiting on a coffee. And the magazine caught my attention as Hank Williams III was on the cover. The article depicted Hank Williams III following closely in his father, Hank Williams Jr., and his grandfather's footsteps, Hank Hank Williams Sr. So as I was reading the article, I couldn't help but to remember an old Hank Williams Jr. song that I grew up singing. Now, I'm not much of a singer, but I'll at least maybe give you a little bit of the tune. Some of you might remember it. Hank, why do you drink? Why do you roll smoke? Why must you live out the songs that you wrote? Over and over, I'll spare you the last part. Over and over, everybody made my prediction. So if I get stoned and sing all night long, it's a, and some of you said it, it's a family tradition. Wow. Hank Williams III grew up with a bend. Hank Williams Jr. grew up with a bend. Hank Williams Sr. grew up with a bend. You and I, we have grown up with a bend. 
Let me show you a bend in one of the most significant Bible families. Think about Abraham for a minute. He is considered to be the father of all nations, the father of Israel. God utilized him and his life to start an entire nation of people. Genesis chapter 12, a famine in uh, a famine sweeps the land, forces Abraham to move. He travels through Egypt. He's afraid the king will take him and kill him as a result of having a beautiful wife. So he realized this and he lies about her being his sister. Now, she really is his half-sister, but instead of proclaiming the truth, he proclaimed that she was his sister instead of his wife. And as we all know, a half-truth is the same as a whole lie. So here's another truth in that event. Abraham manipulated the circumstances to get a favorable outcome. He manipulated, okay? Later in chapter 20, Abraham was traveling through Negev. Abimelech, the king, took Sarah to be his wife. And guess what Abraham did? The exact same thing. She is my sister. Later, Genesis chapter 26, Abraham's son of promise, Isaac, he was living in Gerar years later. He did the exact same thing as his father. And, and here's what it says in, uh, in Genesis 26. When the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister, because she, because he was afraid to say she's my wife, he thought, the men of this place will kill me on account of Rebecca because she is beautiful. Wow. So Isaac wasn't even alive to witness his father doing the exact same thing, but the natural bend pushed his decision sideways to trust in his own ability to manipulate the circumstances instead of trusting God with the outcome that God was ordaining. And as if that's not enough, Isaac had twin sons, Jacob and Esau. Most of you know the story. The bend in that family pushed Jacob to manipulate his father and trick him into receiving the family blessing. You know, as I came upon this truth and as I have done years of introspection in my own journey and in my own family's life, I could not come to grips with some of the things I had experienced without looking into my own family history. And you know what I found? I have found several bins unseen forces that have influenced a large portion of my life. So why is this thought process important for us to consider today? Well, for me, I have a wife that God has given me, and I have been offered the honor and privilege of serving And she deserves to be treated like a queen, not a doormat. I have a 19-year-old daughter who is beginning to think about marriage and the kind of man that she wants to spend her life with. And by the way, she often asked me if she could marry me when she was a little girl. 
I have a 15 year old son who, when younger, wore my shoes all over the house, sliding and tripping, proclaiming that he wants to be just like his daddy one day. And here's the thing. I don't want another generation to drudge through life with the weight of generational bends that have twisted my family for years. So what's the hope as we close? Isaiah 53, 5 has our answer. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Folks, Jesus and only Jesus is the ultimate and only iniquity breaker. If you are in Christ, here's the deal. Your bends are already broken. Some of us have never realized that before. God visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children to the third and fourth generation. But look at the verse before that. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Deuteronomy 5, 9 and 10 says, I, the Lord, am a jealous God, legitimate jealousy that is, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandment. Listen, watch this. The iniquity will pass on to the third and fourth generation, but the goodness and mercy of God to thousands of generations to come. Wow, man. I don't know about you, but I am, I have become the iniquity firewall for my family. I recognize the influences. I have admitted how they have shaped my decisions in life, and I have set my heart to repent as I see them rear that ugly head and appear in my life, sometimes on a daily basis. In summary, God continues to use us in spite of our bends. He used Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to literally build a nation of people in spite of that manipulation bend. Second thing I want you to leave with, Christ has already broken the natural human bends as we have taken those on from generations in the past. Third thing I want you to walk away with is that we have the ability to proclaim today that we will be the iniquity firewall for the rest of our family tree. Mm. Thank you for tuning in today, and we look forward to having you again for tomorrow's podcast. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.